Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's up, Doug? What's going on, my man? And a, spe- yeah, a special guest back on the show, Justin Thomas from ESPNCharlotte.net. Justin, what's going on? Oh, man. I'm, I'm excited, man. It's been a long time coming, so whenever I can get back with the phone, talk a little basketball, you know, I always put the, put the warm smile on my face. Justin, what do you do during the, the basketball offseason? Uh, I don't even, it, it's a very frustrating time for me because I love basketball. And I tend to, what I usually do is I try to record the finals games. So like when I don't have anything to watch or I'm just like, just bored, I'm like, oh, you know, I recorded a couple of games and, you know, I kind of use that to pass the time. And it's it's not easy though. It's not easy. Should we do quick finals predictions, David? Yeah, you want to? I've yeah, got let's, mine. Let's Locked do it. And loaded. Go ahead. Oh, let's go. I want it. Warriors. Warriors. Warriors in, in five. Oh, man, you read my mind. I got Warriors in oh, five as well. God. Wow. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was true. Been praying been for true. the gentleman sweep. Oh, my. I, no, I, you have too? Yes, I definitely had the oh, Warriors in five. Oh, man. I give, wow. I give LeBron probably game three, but that's just about it. Yeah, that's what I thought. I think yeah. there's going to be one LeBron takeover game and Kyrie hit some big shots as well, but too much talent on that Golden State Warriors roster. Too much. Just too much. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Download the free SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. we got a big show. Uh, getting to a player in our latest draft profile that a lot of people want to talk about. Uh, a very divisive player, I think, amongst the Hornets fan base right now. We are talking about a player that was being universally pinned to the Hornets at 11, but has recently moved a few slots up the big boards. I spoke with Peter Woodburn of the Slipper Still Fits, the SB Nation blog, on the Gonzaga Bulldogs about freshman reserve center Zach Collins. Hi, Peter. This is Doug from Locked on Hornets. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Zach Collins, who seems to project as one of the better two-way players in this draft. So tell us about him. What's, um, what makes him such a great two-way prospect? Um, defensively, he just has great instincts. Um, and I guess we can start with the defense end of it. He's got great instincts, um, especially on the the shot blocking end. I think he averaged 
um, 1.8 blocks a game this year, but he was only playing about 20 minutes per game. Um, so he's just got it. He does a really good job of, um, really just kind of corralling that area underneath the hoop. Um, everyone kind of knew him for his, the mystery block against Northwestern in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, you look at the game against South Carolina in the final four, I think he finished with six blocks in that game. Um, again, and kind of really held South Carolina, um, held him away pretty much like by himself. Um, and then on just on the just general defensive end spectrum, he's, um, he's actually pretty fleet of foot for being a big guy. And so, um, multiple times this year, you get some occasions where you get a, a mismatch with a guard, um, on him and Collins is able to get low and really kind of hang with it for as long as possible. Um, and so I think defensively, he is one of the better big men prospects in the game. I think he needs to put on a little bit of weight for the NBA, um, which isn't really much of a surprise. Usually most 19 year olds need to do that anyways. Um, and then on the offensive end, I mean, he's just, he's just a force. He just has an unquenchable thirst to get the ball into the basket. And he's got great, uh, footwork down low for some post-up moves. He runs the ball or runs the floor incredibly well. And he can also hit uh, an outside shot. I mean, he gets, he has some range from three, but he needs to probably work on his jump shot a little bit, but like, like, like he's just young. And so he's got all the time in the world to be able to do this. Do you feel like that at the next level, Collins has more potential to be a star offensive player, or do you think he has more potential at being a star defensive player? Hmm. Yeah. I would say that, I would say that maybe he might be able to make his, I think he might be able to make his impact more immediately on the defensive end in the NBA, because I think that that level is a little bit already up to par. Um, like on the offensive end, you know, he can, he can definitely run the floor, um, which is, which is great for the way that the NBA plays right now. Um, he, can he can hit a three point shot pretty decently you know he can stretch the floor in that way and but he also um he just kind of with his just kind of being able to take just open jumpers i think that he might you might see him be a bit tentative and pass those up he's a lot more comfortable around the hoop and so it really just kind of depends on what team he's landing on and what system they have in there i think his defense is ready and roaring to go and his offense might just need a little bit of fine tuning the ringer.com wrote that Zach Collins has concerning intangibles that he gets visibly frustrated when things don't go his way. Did that concern you watching him this season and what's your take on that uh, evaluation of Collins? Yeah, you know, I would, I would say, and I mean, that's an interesting look on it. Um, I mean, I would, he did, he did make a lot of dumb fouls um, this year. And I, I think I am pretty quick to just chalk those up to just kind of freshman fouls. You know, they get the, the game, the college game is quicker than the high school game. And sometimes you get a little bit upset. And I, I think that the thing is, is that I, it's not necessarily concerning because it wasn't necessarily like he was blowing up at the ref or really losing his cool or losing his emotion. I mean, his fouls were just, the frustration fouls where you just kind of, you maybe turn the ball over and you just kind of wildly hack at the guy trying to get it back and just pick up a really dumb foul. Um, I don't really think that that's going to be necessarily a problem going forward. It's just, it's just a maturity thing. And that was, and as the year progressed that they're seeing less and less of that from Collins, if it, if it was actually a thing where he was blowing up and he wasn't keeping his emotions in check, I would say it's a worry, but otherwise I just kind of chalk it up to, 
just as age and with maturity, that'll go away. And uh, do you have any idea of what coaches or teammates had to say about uh, playing with or, or coaching Zach Collins? You know, everyone has just said that he is one of the hardest working guys and he's a great guy to play with and coach. Um, and I think if you just kind of look at Collins' trajectory going from high school to college to the NBA, it really kind of emphasizes, I mean, one of his finest things is his work ethic. I think he he kind of started out being a four-star recruit um, and he ended up in, in his junior year. And then throughout his senior year, he had this fantastic senior year ended up a McDonald's All-American, boosted his status up to a five-star recruit. Um, and then he came into college, and everyone's saying that he's really good, really good. But, you know, he really didn't start to make an appearance on a lot of the draft boards until later into the season. And part of that comes from Gonzaga just playing on the West Coast, and part of it also comes from the fact that he wasn't starting on the team. But, you know, now that already that he's declared – uh, for the draft and everything, you've slowly seen him, you've slowly seen his stock rise up a lot of the mock draft boards as well. And I think that that's just, it just is a super great testament to his work ethic and his drive. And he is one of the most polite and well-spoken kids um, that you can be around. And I think, you know, for just like clubhouse chemistry and everything like that, he's a great person to have in the locker room. I think some fans here in Charlotte have a notion that if the Hornets select Zach Collins, they will be drafting just another in a line of typical stretch fours that we've seen over the past few years. Uh, is Zach Collins a typical stretch big man in your in your estimation? Um, you know, I think that what maybe kind of I think what might help him out a little bit more is. Um, is he has the ability to stretch the floor, um, but he really is still at his heart. He is a traditional post player. Um, that might have to change when he gets into the NBA, but I think that he also just defensively is better than your average stretch four. Um, he doesn't really get isolated nearly as often because he's quick enough, and he, although he isn't incredibly he, I think his wingspan is seven one, and you know he's seven foot. He doesn't have an excessively long wingspan, but he just has great instincts on how to trap someone, how to cut them off. Um, and so I think that his defense can kind of give him a little bit of an edge off of just being your typical um, stretch four. You know, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure. I don't think that he will necessarily be some double double machine in the NBA, but I think that he is going to be a very very good player for a very long time. Peter Woodburn, contributor for The Slipper Still Fits, the SB Nation blog on uh, Gonzaga. Great blog name and great analysis. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Great stuff there from Peter. And, uh, you know, concert season right now heating up. I just asked Justin uh, Thomas what he's doing over uh, this summer break while basketball sort of winds down. And I know he's going to be attending some concerts. I know you will be, too. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, though, has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And the problem is none of those older ticket sites want to do anything about that. But our friends at SeatGeek, they are different. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. The app tells you where the best deals are by searching a variety of ticket sites, saving you time and money. Here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate, here's what you have to do. 
Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. All right, we heard from Peter Woodburn there from the Gonzaga SB Nation blog. Justin, I know you're, he, you know, Zach Collins is kind of high on your big board. Did you learn anything new about the big man? Um, it, the, the reviews were, were raving. I, I love those. And um, there were a few things that I liked and some things that I found out from just doing some research on my own. Um, two things that, that I really liked is one just kind of the person he is i I think one thing about the horns what they do is is for the most part of their core guys they're all one just pleasant guys and all extremely hard workers so that's a good sign if he was to be there at 11 and also he has instincts specifically defensive instincts like you have if we look at the horns right now you have cody you have frank you have plumley and what I love is that I felt like Collins it gives you a little Cody and gives you a little bit of Plumley with a little touch offensively with the, with some possible floor spacing like Kaminsky. And and the big issue for the Hornets is, is we knew it, and Clifford said it time and time again. Our offense has, has been fine. It's been even really good at times. But our problem is we couldn't guard anybody. We couldn't stop anybody. And if we're talking about the bench, one, the bench – couldn't build lead, and they struggled to cut deficits. And you need to add somebody to that bench that, that can actually bring you something. And I, I still think there's a lot that Frank um, can bring, and I think that'll kind of come, but he does have his limitations defensively. And Plumley, you know, he brings his grit and toughness, but not a high skill level. Mm-hmm. And Collins, at a, as a young 19, I think he would be a really good addition to that second unit. David, do you agree with Justin that uh, Zach Collins would be a good fit among amongst this front court rotation? I mean, there's a lot to like about him, and Justin hit on a bunch of that. And there's there's a ton of stuff that just pops off the page. I mean, if you look at his per his per forty, you know, numbers, you know, that's twenty about twenty three and fourteen. Um, so I mean, that's a double double right there. Now that he's going to average that in the NBA. But certainly plenty to like. And the shooting, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, well, maybe not the biggest thing because his defense is raved upon. But, you know, the 47% from three, even though it's only 21 three-point attempts, I think uh, spacing the floor for this team is going to be big next year. My my main concern with him or or just his fit with this team is – how much does his presence diversify what they already have, right? Like, does he make this team instantly a lot more athletic? I'm not so sure. I mean, is, is he going to how how far down the the, the uh, you know the, the the position scale is he going to be able to guard people? I mean, are some of these stretch fours or stretch threes that they go small going to really put him in tough spots? I mean, that would be my main concern with Zach Collins because he's not super explosive. Um, even for a seven footer, not that he needs to be, but doesn't jump off the page athletically. So I think that's the biggest red flag if you're if you're looking to add him to this roster. I agree with your concerns about athleticism, but I believe he could find a place in this rotation if that you mentioned his per forty numbers. His per forty block numbers were four point one. I mean, if that can translate, if he can use his timing and his just sort of instincts 
to become a rim protector, they I, I think there is a spot. Not necessarily, uh, you know, he's not going to be an anchor necessarily, especially early on in this bench rotation. But if he can block shots at anywhere near that rate, then I think he can find success. But like you said, it's going to depend on can he switch screens, can he uh, build up that strength throughout the season and acquire more. Men? I think it's going to be if they were to draft Collins, and that's a big if because he's rising up draft boards right now not necessarily a given that he would be available at 11 but if he did I think it's the kind of player that's going to work extremely hard get stronger throughout the season and chip away at that rotation of ability and I I like what Peter said he has a a quote unquenchable thirst and a great worth work ethic and he's told reporters as well that he's not going to be satisfied with being drafted in the lottery he wants to be an NBA all-star I think this is a guy uh, he hired uh, uh, his agent in April. I mean, this guy wants to be in the NBA. <laughs> he wants to make a team and, and he wants to make an impact and be an all-star. So those are all things you have to like. Can I, put, can I add one more thing, Doug? Well, why not? Um, okay. Uh, thank you, Kansha. And um, just from watching his interview on, on Draft Express, he even noted that, you know, I, I didn't take a lot of jumpers. I didn't take a lot of threes in college. We said even throughout yeah, the not. season – that was always a point of emphasis. Like, yo, I, though I was not taking those shots in the game, during practice, that was always something I worked on. He even mentioned, like, his dad, that they really worked on shooting. And this entire draft process for him is being able to show teams that, yes, I can space the floor. And and a guy that's hungry like that, I mean, if you think, like, where, where Kimba has come, you have guys that stay in the offseason. You have Marvin. You have Cody. So the culture of guys, that would just that would just thrive with him because he just wants to work. And there have been plenty of times We've been talking, and even yourself, you could be watching the game and be like, what What was Frank thinking right there? Or what was Spencer thinking right there? For a young guy, if you have instincts, those are things that you can't really teach. And that's a pleasant sign. But I, I do agree that the fact that he's just been um, rising is, is concerning because if you asked me months ago, I was screaming Malik Monk. Who would have thought, you know, three months you know, later – we're talking about Zach Collins. Well, Justin brings up a good point about Collins, is, and I sort of alluded to this at the end of the interview, that a lot of people want to look at Zach Collins as a typical stretch four, but the, the fact is his ability to knock down outside shots is a little bit of a question mark because he did not take many as a college player. Now, certainly that was limited by the fact that he only averaged 17 minutes per game and was the backup uh, big man for them, but... Uh, What concerns me a little bit offensively is that he posted up 40% of the time compared to his roll action off the pick and roll, which he only did 16.1% of the time. Now, he was uh, deadly in those pick and pop situations, those few, uh, I believe, what, 21 total threes as a college player. Um, He's going to get very few, if any, post-up opportunities in the NBA. We know that from the Frank Kaminsky uh, two-year experience that we've gotten so far, that those post-up opportunities are just going to be few and far between. So that means his outside shot better be ready to go. And that's where the strength concerns come in in terms of finishing through contact on the roll. So there's where my concern is, David. Yeah, and as far as the minuses go or the concerns, you say like, uh, some of the things that you mentioned, like the the uh, getting frustrated or, um, you know, uh, committing careless turnovers as a passer or stuff like that, like those aren't huge concerns. And I think 
a lot of what uh, you guys mentioned as positive, just with him as a player and as a person, right? Like pretty high basketball IQ, hard worker, like wants to be a good player, wants to do the right thing. All that stuff is awesome. It's just the limited uh, visibility we've seen with Zach Collins, only 19 years old, definitely another guy that if they were to draft him, another guy that's got to get stronger, right? You know, um, and he's definitely going to be asked yeah. to contribute in some form or fashion. But so does like, give you, but does give you two way play. It might not necessarily yeah. be the athleticism that I've been uh, absolutely screaming for on this team, mm-hmm. but he does give you two way play. You you know you can pluck him in on the defensive end, and he's going to give you something. He'll give you something, not necessarily everything, but he will give you something. Just real quick, David, is he top three on your big board for the Hornets? I mean, it all depends on who's around that. I think uh, the way things are shaking out now, I think he's there with like Markinen, Zach Collins. Um, who am I missing there? Maybe if a point guard slid down into that vicinity, it's, but it's, 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 you just, it's, it's, it's you, all going to come down because, right? Like they are really on the borderline. You saw Detroit and talks today about possibly trying to trade out of their spot. Like that's kind of the cutoff. Um, so if there's some jumbled up stuff that goes on in front of them, they have the chance to grab one of the last few guys where you see separation right between the really uh, high draft lottery picks and the rest of that first round. So, uh, yeah, if there's some shakeups, I mean, he's got to be in that consideration. He's in every draft, you know, up until this week going to the Hornets. So he's he's got to be on that big board. You mentioned Markinen, and I think that's an interesting – it would be an interesting situation if both Markinen – this is probably mm. not going to happen, but if Markinen and Collins were both – sitting there for the Hornets at 11. You have both of these guys freshmen, but in Markinen, you're not going to get two-way play, but everything that we're seeing now is that he is going to be an absolute elite shooter right out of the gate. No question. Whereas with Zach Collins, you might be getting an elite shot blocker, but because he only played 17 minutes per game, you're drafting upside at that point, and I think that, that would put the Hornets uh, to the test of, you know, how much certainty they wanted to address uh, in this draft and how much they would want to go upside. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, Hey, got an announcement to make for everyone listening out there. If you're great at sales and you're looking for an opportunity in sports, listen up. The Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager. Be a part of the fastest-growing sports podcast network selling the NBA channel, the NFL channel, and the entire network to national advertisers. If you have the skills, if you've got the perseverance and the game to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, here's what you do. Email Podcasts at gmail.com that's locked on podcasts at gmail.com with your resume and uh, do it today yeah if you're good at sales and you want to be in sports that's this is the place to be okay moving on the hornets have been hard at work this season many of them staying in charlotte to work locally on their game we got a glimpse of a few hornets checking out panthers practice with head coach steve clifford last week and uh, on saturday There was a tweet by shot doctor Chris Matthews, known on social media as Lethal Shooter, that revealed he's been working with Michael Kidd Gilchrist to correct his shot or really fundamentally change his shot. The tweet read, the last eight days I've started teaching Michael Kidd Gilchrist the art of shooting, going to change the entire shot, and it includes a picture of MKG at the free throw line. David, 
why is MKG back to work on his shot again? I think that's the question most people are asking, or maybe like the most deflating part of this, I guess, for fans. And just because this will be the third reconstruction, right? And he had the injuries uh, that hampered him when he was really rebuilding that and Mark Price left the scene. And so, but he's working on it again because Doug, it needs to work. (laughs) I mean, that's the plain fact fact of the matter. And the three-point shot is the main thing right now that I'm looking at anything that goes around reconstructing his shot is can he shoot three-pointers? Not, I mean, make a couple is great, but be a threat and be a real, um, value and space in the floor and you know that's why this thing is just it's it's almost like a here we go again scenario you just you have no idea what to expect you hope for the best but i mean at this point i don't blame fans for being a little uh, a little jaded on this whole process justin uh what did you see out of mkg in terms of the, the development of his shot last season uh, and you know this is uh cause I'm pretty positive about this. Um, I think this is actually something uh, much needed. Um, last year he looked much more confident shooting the ball. Yep. Um, and and just when you saw it, you were like, I remember we played the game and we asked we, uh, you asked about MKG's shot and my drawing was hideous, but I tried to do an upside down smile. It's like, well, he's not making the shots. He, he'll make a couple every now and then, but he's taking the shots. If there's ever light at the end of the tunnel to show there could be some offensive progression, you know, it's now, and uh, this is the third installment. Results. So, you know, I say, hey, understand that guy said, hey, I understand. I'm sure he's heard the rumblings like, okay, you can be traded. It's expendable. What can he do? Can he be a lockdown defender? And you got to realize in today's NBA, because you got to be able to put the ball in the basket. And I respect this because he went out and said, hey, i, I got to be better. Like this team, you know, they have resigned me. I was healthy last season. There's no more excuses now. There are no more excuses. I think the word for MKG and, you know, whoever he works with as far as his shooting mechanics is results. You can go work with anybody on the planet. Become the 2017-2018 season. People want to see results. Yeah, they want to see results. Last season, um, I think that DeMar DeRozan showed that if you're going to be exclusively a mid-range jump shooter, you have to be elite at doing that because 40% from mid-range, if you don't take any three-point shots, is going to leave you in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of efficiency. That's exactly where Michael K. Gilchrist was on jump shots. He was actually below that, ranked in the eighth. 18th percentile, uh, 36.7% on those jump shots. And a lot of those uh, were contested, him cutting into the lane and then pulling up very difficult shots that he was taking. And it really contracted the Hornets offense. And it wasn't the only factor, uh, but they, you know, they had to, they had to reformulate the offense uh, from the previous season. And, and that certainly had its effect. I want to go just real quickly and talk about the history of this jump shot as we maybe approach a new era for Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So three seasons ago, a lot was made of his work with assistant coach Mark Price, who was working on rebuilding his shot from the ground up. And Price said that it was going to take time. It was going to take multiple seasons as he, you know, went piece by piece to rebuild this shot. But then that work was cut short when Mark Price left for UNCC and assistant coach Bruce Kretzer took over. And there was a lot of hope that he could finish the work that Price began, but a preseason injury put a hold on that progress 
or at least we thought, because in his brief seven-game return two seasons ago, MKG went three of seven from beyond the arc. He was aggressive and confident in his shot-making ability. But fast forward to this past season, I just read the stats. He only attempted nine three-pointers, matching the total from each of his first two seasons, and his mid-range game was erratic, and all of that confidence he gained uh, as the season progressed seemed to vanish into thin air, and you saw uh, several reversions in terms of his body positioning, in terms of his, uh, uh, in terms of where the release was, it started to go back to that point where it was almost as he was falling down, you know, instead of being at the peak of that, of uh, of that jump. So there were a lot of things going on. I want to talk quickly about Chris Matthews. He's fairly young in the game. He played at Washington State for two seasons between 05 and 07 before transferring to St. Bonaventure's for two seasons. Then he did some D-League work and overseas work and finally started this shooting school and became lethal shooter. He worked with Dwight Howard last offseason to his to improve his jump shot. And I pulled the stats on this, guys. Dwight Howard went from 11% before working with Chris Matthews on jump shots to 23%. So neither of those ah, numbers are, are pretty, but yeah, Justin, more than a 100% improvement on uh, Dwight Howard's uh, jump shot. So there is some history of, of improvement. Uh, are we encouraged uh, by him working with Chris Matthews, the little that we know about him? From the picture, it looked nice. I said, hey, that form, it almost looking good. I need to see mine. some video. I, like, I need okay, to see some I- moving pictures. Now, you know what? See, that's the, that's the disclaimer right there. Because I was thinking from the picture, I was like, yo, this jumper almost looked as good as mine. But then I realized that wasn't the video. So I guess uh, I guess there's cause to pause in the words of Stephen A. Smith. So I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Doug, David, guys, what do you want I mean, to see out of MKG? Well, that's the problem. I mean, he shot nine three-pointers last year and made one. That was in 81 games. I mean, yeah. other people that, that, that shot nine three-pointers, guys like Nene in 67 games, Jordan Farmar in two games, uh, Derek Favors in 50 games shot 10 threes, made three of them. MKG only made one. I mean, this thing is starting to look like, and people who have been off the MKG bandwagon for for a long time are, are, are going to be saying, oh, you guys are just now realizing this. But, like, it was just – it certainly looked like there was so far to go, so much ground to make up with his jump shot when he came into the league that it's just going to be a huge undertaking for him to be able to be a viable jump-shooting option in today's NBA because at the same time that happened, the league went light speed, you know, past him with the, the three-point shooting and – and everyone's shooting that shot now. And it's just hard to have your starting three small forwards shoot nine three-pointers in a season. You mentioned the spacing. I mean, that's a huge problem. Like, the jumpers from the elbow are great. And I will say that he has looked so much more confident. And he's made huge strides over the last couple of years. And it's been really fun to watch. The results, you know, haven't been there in bunches, unfortunately. And I don't know that him being able to have some semblance of a of a mid-range game because i mean he's not even in the same conversation as like DeRozan. i know that's not what you were saying but like him having being able to pull up for a couple of short jumpers a game i don't know how much difference that's going to make well he's not in the same conversation as a player that was drafted a few spots below him and or or one spot below him and bradley beal 
And I think, right. look, the pressure, I think the pressure just narratively is going to start to mount as Beal continues his ascension towards all-star territory alongside oh, John yeah. Wall. Yeah. I mean, comparisons are going to start happening. I think it's inc- any change is encouraging, I think, because of, of how bad it got at certain points last season. And I, I think it's encouraging that he's changing it's not like a, a guy in his contract year, you know, trying to make some changes to get a little mo- bit more money next season. No. I mean, he's got two more no. years. He's trying, and we know this about he's MKG. <laughs> he's desperate to to be the absolute best at the game of basketball that he can be. And, and so right. hopefully you're going to see that confidence that we saw in that seven-game uh, uh, stretch two seasons ago. Hopefully we see that return. Yeah, and and one last thing, a, a younger guy that is often compared to MKG that the Hornets had a chance to draft in Justice Winslow only played 18 games. Uh, I'm, I'm rattling off these numbers. You know, you know, I'm looking at my stats here, guys. But uh, stats. <laughs> but but shot 30, 35 threes in 18 games, and you know that's really like if you're going to draft a guy who can't shoot and is not a scorer. Uh, but can affect the game in other ways. You got to be able to at least put it up, man. I mean, he's got to be able to at least, uh, you know, have somebody run out to him or or, or get up a shot that's going to be in the vicinity. And that was know, the interesting thing. He missed he missed two three pointers in that first game against Milwaukee. One of them was a really bad miss, but the other one was just your normal run of the mill uh, three point miss. And. Yep. I expected him to, you know, just sort of work through it and continue, and it just, it didn't happen. And and I certainly right. think that's a concern uh, moving forward. Great conversation. Hey, real quick, Justin, uh, I know I ask you what you're going to do as basketball winds down. What's your, what's your Netflix uh, recommendation? What are you what are you binge watching this summer? Oh man, um, I'm a. I don't even know if it's on Netflix. I do have a confession. It doesn't have I to have be Netflix. Watching. Whatever. I have been watching The Secret Life of Pets like once every two weeks, but you know, oh, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great so. movie. But I would say if it is on Netflix, I think it's on Hulu. Power is a great television show. Um, 50 Cent, I believe, is like the executive producer. It comes on Stars. Um, season three starts June 25th, but if you ever get a chance, anybody listening, if you ever get a chance to watch, um, power you will love it all right i'm by i know david you and i are really nerding out over twin peaks right now oh my god we are swimming in the deep cold waters of of david lynch's nightmare fuel (laughs) it's the it's the polar opposite of the secret life of pets if you were wondering now see david david you're you're a little older than me so did you watch because twin peaks came out in 1991 and yeah. i was i was um you know three and four years old so not really david lynch's okay. Okay. uh wheelhouse right. so were you but were you into it feels like it may be a little young for you as well yeah so i recall the phenomenon that was happening around it and i actually did watch portions of it but not enough to jump into the new you know, the new season with without scratching my head or just looking out on his face, wondering what the F is going on. So I, I've gone back and started to watch the original right now. I'm through season one. I'm about four episodes through season two. So uh, it's quite a journey. The problem with Twin Peaks is that I struggle to explain it to anyone. 
I, you, people I are like, oh, really? I, I'm thinking about, about getting into Twin Peaks. What's it about? I don't know. I really, well, <laughs> I can't. Right, what, what isn't it about? Right. It's about everything. It's about life, the universe, and everything. Uh, it's, you know, I, listen, if you've got uh, a week or two to, to just crush it, I suggest it. If you're into um, science fiction, if you're into campy horror. Weird I mean, it's, stuff. It's weird just stuff. so, yeah, if you're into weird stuff, uh, check it out. And a great recommendation from Justin as well. Uh, thanks, guys, for chatting with me. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We want to hear from you as well. Email us, buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. We're back tomorrow with another special guest, Taylor Cunningham, one half of Live at the Hive. We're going to be talking about some second round gems. That's right. We're talking about the NBA draft all the way up until June 22nd. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. For David and Justin, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.